Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm William Chen. And I'm Sarah Watt. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. This month, we are discussing Crazy Rich Asians, which came out this year, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which came out in 2002. The connection being that they are both wedding films with some kind of cultural clash as a central part of the story. So let's start with Crazy Rich Asians. William, would you like to give us an overview of Crazy Rich Asians? Yes, of course. Uh, So Crazy Rich Asians is based on the book of the same name. Um, It is a... Oh, gosh. I mean, we haven't seen rom-coms do this well in a long time. A a smash hit rom-com, breaking all the records. Um, Long story short, it is about um, an Asian-American, Rachel Chu, who goes to her boyfriend's home uh, in Singapore uh, to meet the parents. Little does she know that her, her boyfriend is actually the scion of one of the most richest, most powerful families in Singapore. Uh, hilarity, a misunderstanding in shoes, and yeah, as you say, Jeremy, it's a culture clash. Excellent. And my big fat Greek wedding. Sarah, give us, a, give us an overview. Well, if we can cast our minds back 16 years, Whoa. there was also a hit uh, rom-com about, as you say, a cultural clashing wedding. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it has not dated well, but back in 2002, my big fat Greek wedding caused quite a stir. Written and starring, written by and starring uh, Nia Vardalos, um, she plays the um, young woman, well in fact she's 30, so let's be honest, she's not young at all, and she's possibly a virgin, so therefore she is the, uh, the, the preeminent um, 30-year-old virgin, <laughs> Tula, who uh, lives a henpecked life, uh, living at home with her overbearing, very, very Greek parents, uh, massively extended family, until one day she falls in love with Ian. Ian, played by John Corbett, who is as white American as they come, um, and therefore not immediately taken to by the Greek family. Excellent. And it's uh, important to say that we will be having a spoiler-filled discussion. So if you haven't seen either of these films and do not want any spoilers, I would suggest pausing this podcast and returning to it at a later date. Right, well, let's jump in with My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Well, on on the note of spoilers, I think it's worth saying that the poster for My Big Fat Greek Wedding does indeed (laughs) have them both in their wedding outfits. So it's a little bit of a giveaway that it's all going to be okay and the wedding's going to go ahead. But the film's called My My Big Big Fat Fat Greek Greek Wedding. Wedding. Exactly. But it could have been like a lead-up to the Big Fat Greek Wedding and then it all falls apart and they work out that actually they don't want to be together after all and that would have been gritty. But no, this is 2002. (laughs) And then there's a voiceover and that was My Big Fat Greek wedding. Did so she sure. say that? No, 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 no. Uh, for the gritty, grittier reboot. All oh, right. But basically, the whole film is just like a fait accompli. Um, I guess what was interesting about Big Fat Greek Wedding back in the day is for those of us who aren't Greek and, and weren't Greek back then, um, yeah, sure, maybe we learned a whole lot about the culture and some of those bits make for quite um, entertaining moments in the film. And even though the father, I mean, oh my gosh, the overacting is shocking. And I'm sure that nowadays the whole thing would be really distasteful in terms of cultural stereotypes and whatnot. Um, But the father, the thing that I found most interesting is that the dad's conceit or or party trick, if you will, is that he can can tell you the etymology of any word from any any foreign language, any other non-Greek language, as harking back to 
ancient Greek or Greek, um, which I, I found fascinating as a rather nerdy English teacher. I thought that was great. The rest of it, what a load of rubbish. It's all you, just big you, hair and hysterics. <laughs> you hadn't seen the film before this week, is that correct? No, I, I saw it. Oh, I'm sure right. that I saw it in approximately 2002. Right, okay. And as I say, you know, I was a, a smidgen younger and obviously a lot less discerning. And in those days, this was still kind of fun. Although I do think that even then it was a bit rubbish. I we watched we watched it growing up. My mother loved that film, and so I have quite fond memories of this movie. But I will agree that it has not dated well. Uh, my my favorite parts of the film still are the family and the family characters, and I, despite it being overacted, as you said, Sarah, mm. I just think there are some really great uh, moments. So the, the Windex makes me laugh every time. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that joke is played. Fifteen times, yes. and then you get the payoff of him putting it on his zit or something yeah. on, on his wedding day. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, funny if it wasn't so gross. Uh, I, mean, oh. I don't mind the joke being repeated because it's not. I mean, it's not. It's actually seeing how the people react to it. Like I love when he sprays it on his sister-in-law. And she's like, oh, "Get, get this, get off me!" Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I love my favorite moment in the whole film is when she, when the auntie tells Ian Miller's parents uh, uh, about, about her the, twin, the twin. <laughs> oh, yes. the twin in her neck. Oh, that is just. I had um. I, I, I mean, it's it's not it's not related to any any plot uh, to the movie. That is also my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. um, I, and I, I I mean, the first time I saw this movie was on a plane, I think, in two thousand three. So it wasn't wasn't that memorable. I remember not liking it that much. Um, but man, that that twin scene, I was cracking up, and just how they build up to it, and it's so nonsensical and yeah. out of the blue, and she starts talking about like spinal columns coming out of a lump in her neck. But I mean, I love the truth of it as well, which is that I mean, I've got an auntie that will just randomly tell <laughs> these personal stories about her life to friends, or mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's so relatable. <laughs> I, I do think one of the challenges is probably in 2002, I didn't mm-hmm. find Ian's, Ian's parents quite so objectionable. And I don't even mean sort of objectionable in a, uh, you know, I'm not even having like a moral objection to them. I just think as characters nowadays, they're incredibly trite that they are so buttoned up and so white and, <laughs> you know, and so ignorant. Because it would just be ridiculous nowadays, you um, know? I, and I don't I'm, think it plays for laughs. I'm pretty glad that we're already jumping to Ian's parents. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, let, let's just say that if, if I were an actor and I were white and I were, you know, middle-aged, that's exactly the kind of role I wouldn't want to play. They're, they're, they're just, they're also overplaying it, but yeah. in a way that is so... It's so... Underplayed. Uh, yeah, that's oh. right. But, but it's also, it's so dumb in a really good way um if that make any, it makes any sense again this is back in 2002 and and it does seem really really trite now yeah but i, I just thought that the horrified expressions and everything was so it, it was so beautifully innocent in a way like mm-hmm. that there's there's a very simple punchline and it's so simple that the movie needs to un- underscore every scene they're in with like classical music mm, in the background mm, mm. Um, that really took me off that I was... do love though that their moment of kind of giving in is mm-hmm. the fact that the husband goes come on Harry do you notice that <laughs> that's the end of their little storyline I mean I I think that's a very funny moment as well mm. and that the, know, the, the this, scene where this... they're, down, they're downing Uzo and, yeah. and the camera goes oh man I look I, I mean the techniques are terrible yeah. the wipes and the yeah. <laughs> and again oh, old feels, feels it's, old it's, it's it does say Year is like Chicago and yeah. Two Towers and like yeah. 
Chicago looks amazing yeah. still. Yeah. But this is all the... No, I hate... I mean, I hate slapstick, as we know, and I, I hated the... I, I just thought it was so cringy, her having to look so, you know, mussy hair and glasses and, and wonky face. And I'm not being rude about her actual face. I mean, she wore it as a wonky expression until she fell in love. And her having to be that geeky, nerdy, awful. And then when she has zhuzhed herself up and she's running the travel agency and he goes past and then she's wearing the headphones and then she falls down and, and, oh, I just, I, I hate slapstick so much. Sorry, sorry. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I thought that was pretty funny. I'm no, that is not funny. I love, I love slapstick. <laughs> Someone falling over is always yeah. going to be funny. No, it was dumb. Oh. Now, let me talk about John Corbett. Because, you know, nowadays I'm looking and I'm going, is he wearing a fleece? Do you know the moment where the, where the I love that auntie character. She's actually uh-huh. my favorite character of the whole film. Yeah. When she touches his hair, that was improvised because she forgot her lines, and then they carried on with the scene, and they kept it in the movie. Well, that's let nice. Me, that's, let me touch your hair. That's a nice moment. But I thought, I, I mean, John Corbett is just, he's ridiculous, and him, out, him outside. Yes. <laughs> but maybe he has to be ridiculous, because if he was too cool or too suave, he wouldn't suit Tula, and he wouldn't fall in love with Tula. He's he so gross. He's so yeah. gross. He's but, so gross. But, Back in those days, he was, if not then, he was on the cusp of being um, Sarah Jessica's Parker, Sarah Jessica Parker's love interest in Sex and the City. Oh, right. And that's what made him a superstar. So I feel as though people bought into him being this romantic hero because he's Aiden. Um, and, <laughs> and, and I'll give them that. I, you know, fine. I, I'll let them have it. But otherwise, also, what a dweeb. What, yeah. a, what a irresponsible teacher. Uh, <laughs> yeah, leave me the room. <laughs> I know. When he left the room, I was like, what are you doing? No, do you know what riled me such that I tweeted about it? The thing that outraged me the most about it was that she came into the school without signing in. Yes, yes. <laughs> she didn't Health sign safety. in. She's all having like a wussy moment such that he has to leave his classroom where he is improving young people's minds. No, he's like, just excuse me for a sec. Yeah. Don't be too loud. My kids would rip the classroom yeah. to shreds. Oh my gosh. Would press their faces against the window. <laughs> Open the door. Like, <laughs> I would be like, this better be an emergency because otherwise, I, you can't. I'm not here to pander <laughs> to your emotional insecurities when I'm in the middle of a class. Yeah, what are you, crazy. You'd be like, oh, what do you want? So I'm I like, thought that was dreadful. Let's go. Let's go to Vegas. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, I would probably stand in the door, ready to close the door, and in, in a moment's notice, just in case everything got too out of control. Stand with your foot and holding <laughs> it open. Yeah. It's amazing, eh? Like, we need it. I find so many scenes in films and TV that have teachers or classrooms so very rarely display anything remotely. Like, even just the setup. Maybe it's different in American schools, but like when, the, when all the tables are all set up as like an exam mode, I'm like, that's a terrible way to no, set that's up. A how every, that's how every classroom, every desk is separated and into rows in America. That's mm. how they do it. And they write with pencils. Wow. Mm. Which I used to think was a conceit of American movies, but it's. It's real. Wow, okay. So really their education system is reflective of, of this kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of dic- dictatorship of, of the teacher at the front of the room. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. But okay. anyway, <laughs> so enough of Ian the teacher. I just thought that, oh, I don't know. I was um, just like, can, we, can we go back to the point that the, the movie... Again, I actually quite like the movie uh, watching it a second time. You like, like everything. I, I, I enjoy this, I enjoy Barbarella, and I enjoy all sorts of Gore Verbinski's work. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I found a lot to like about it. Uh, what 
I didn't like about it was what you guys were saying before. It is it is ugly as sin. Yeah. It is just the a, film is the ugly. The film is an ugly movie. It's a mm. moving image. Everything's really flat. Yeah. Um, the wipes, ah, uh, the colors are really muddy. Um, and you, you, you guys, again, are absolutely right. This came out at a time when people were really doing cool stuff with digital. Yeah. Uh, if you think about what Lucas was doing with Attack of the Clones, yeah. I mean, it looks really dated now, but the colors, the you time, know, are popping out of the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I think what it is is that this was based on a one-woman show that she did. Tom Hanks went and watched it. And well, his wife went and watched it or something. Yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and they're both executive producers. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's all very well. over the top. Yes, yeah, it's all over the top because she had to be over the top in order to define her characters. Mm. And but I think the, if but you... that's this whole. And I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I'm so riled up by this. This is the whole danger, I suppose, of taking something that's designed for the stage and, as you say, is a one woman show where she has to perform in an over the top way in theatre to convey different characters. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. expecting somebody with not a huge amount of film or cinema experience to be able to replicate that on the small screen. Yeah. And that's why mm. everything's so OTT. You know, I thought of, I just thought of a connection right now that I just had, had never occurred to me, but number two, the play and film by Tor Fraser, and yeah. I'd studied that film on my level two, my year 12 students, and I have for the last few years. It's a beautiful, it's wonderful a lovely New film. Zealand film. Yeah. New Zealand film. And I read the play this year, and, and it is, it is a, the, the play is far more over the top, it's far more mm. comedic, <clears throat> uh, and it has to be because Madeline Sami had to play all those different characters. And the film is not that. The film mm. is quite beautiful and quite melancholic and, and a study of, of pain and family and tradition and culture, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. And, and that's, that's an example of where they've taken a one-woman one woman show mm. and they've done... A really wonderful job, and if and if we're going to compare in terms of the way the films look, mm. have you seen number two? No, I have uh, not. It's, it's, I highly suggest it, and it's beautifully shot, and just a wonderful example of how you can do it right. But I agree with you; it looks my big Frank Greek wedding looks terrible. You know, it reminds me of Mamma Mia, except that Mamma Mia looked incre- looked incredible, but it was also a wedding in a Greek island. Mm-hmm. But Mamma Mia, of course, translated from a stage show into a movie, and somehow that worked. Well, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. But it's also, but it is just well. as over the top. Yeah, um, yeah. And yet, yeah. for some reason, it, I mean, look, let's be fair. I, I, I have to simmer down, because Big Fat Greek Wedding worked in its day. It was 2002. People were probably still reeling from the horror that it had been inflicted upon America six months prior. Yeah, everyone's still dressing like they're in the '90s, which is a whole other issue. But never mind, because that was a weird thing about the 2000s. People didn't start dressing better for quite some time, and yet they were already into the next decade. That was weird. But, um, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to crazy rotations. I am going to jump in and say I had a blast watching this movie. Um, it's not perfect by any means, but I laughed a lot. But I wonder if we will be looking back in 13, 16, whatever it's been, many years, and not be as kind, just <laughs> oh, like we no. are to break yeah, no. big I, no. I think, I mean, as William said right at the very beginning, it's breaking box office records everywhere, and mm-hmm. we all know that some of that box office comes from an Asian audience going, thank you, yeah. finally we get to see ourselves, but everybody's going. So it isn't just Asian audiences. But I think I think that all of culture's like... Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I know I was. Yeah. It was pretty incredible, like um, to see you know all the news about Asian American audiences like buying out theaters and this big you know what they call it like hashtag golden open. Ah, um, nice. 
and then like to see the legs on this thing, like the drop in box office every week was it was a record low. Mm. I'm like six percent where wow. movies would usually drop about thirty or forty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people just really wanted to see this movie. Yeah. Like incredible stuff. Yeah, I think it's that same similar similar sort of thing with my big fake wedding, and that it, it's come out at a time where. We are so saturated with uh, big, massive blockbuster films. Mm -hmm. And just to bring back something that is about family and about romance and it follows a lot of those tropes we haven't seen for a while in a cinema is really refreshing. (laughs) Uh, You say... What you say is true, but when you say romance, I think romance is the only area where, um, not big fat Greek Asians, what's it? Um, (laughs) Sorry, no, no, no. Um, Where Crazy Rich Asians, to me, is not actually a particularly romantic movie. Because for starters, I know she does a runner at the end, and then there's a ludicrous number of days where she lies on a bed and doesn't eat. I mean, my gosh, when does she get bored? And the fact that she's not answering her phone, and the fact that Nick is so beautifully patient, what a gorgeous man as well. Isn't he lovely? <laughs> nah, but anyway, there was no, nothing. but there was no actual sort of, um, and I'm not being mean, but there was no chemistry or anything that was really at stake between them. I thought they were both really nice looking, nice people, good people. You knew they were right for each other, and the conflict was not about yeah, you're right. him mm. being seen with another woman and she misinterprets it, or her um, doing something or anything like that at all. It was it was good old Michelle Yeoh getting sticking her oar in. So. Mm-hmm. To me, there was no romantic intrigue about it. It's mm. it's definitely a, a film of four strong female characters at the centre, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, the men are, are there as just props to yeah. the storyline. And I think you're right. It's not really about... It's not about Nick not, and... What is it? Nick and Rachel? Rachel, yeah. Yeah, not really. I mean, it's not really about... But them. it did annoy me that he hadn't told her anything. And, you know, she kind of brings it up in the film, but yeah, he's pretty culpable and all that. Oh, you mean, what, you never told me your family was so wealthy? Well, yeah. It, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know. Like, like obviously, the, you know, the movie's not based in reality at all. Uh-huh. Um, but that one thing, I, I just felt like really underdeveloped their relationship. Like, why, why would he? Well, I mean, I can understand why he might not if he's trying to be... Like, he's, they're trying to sell us, the audience, that he's mm. kind of humble and that he's not about the money. Not that he's... Dis- I don't... I, mean, I think he came off, unfortunately is a bit disingenuous oh really it's not that big of a deal Mm. I would like to interpret it more as I personally do not value the wealth I have no intention of taking over the company blah 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 therefore I don't want to divulge that part of me the only part where I took uh, umbrage at him for not having done it is because you've got to be prepared yeah. and don't you ro- let me rock up there with a suitcase full of inadequate clothes because that is humiliating you but know? see I think that I take that same position not from the clothes perspective but just from the emotional perspective it's like you're about to meet my family like yeah. tell me something about them I would be really angry but I guess guys look I mean it's the it's it's the dramatic uh, conceit of the movie isn't <laughs> this is it true. you know what I mean like yeah. if he told her on the plane and she'd packed the right clothes we wouldn't have a story it would have been a short film <laughs> you know well when she gets there she bumps into Aquafina who I who thought I thought was just super fun it was, she was the sassy yeah. friend wasn't yeah. she yeah and she, she's, um, she's so good at playing the sassy friend she's well great. she's so good at just playing herself really isn't yeah, she because yeah. isn't she that same character in Ocean's, Ocean's 8 yeah. and I, I thought but, she was way better than this in Ocean's Well, she had more agree. to do. Yeah. yeah. But she's super fun. Like, yeah, I could yeah. listen to her and watch her all the time. Yeah, and Michelle Yeoh is just... She's always amazing. <laughs> yeah. Just, Actually, I, I like that you bring up those two those two uh, actors, because I... I thought they were the highlight of the movie for me. Mm. Um, I actually didn't think too much of the romantic leads. Um, I, I thought the acting overall was, eh, 
it was okay, but but Okafina and mm. Michelle Yeoh just stood out mm. like shining I, diamonds. I thought that, um, and I've forgotten her name, but the the cousin who has the cheating husband. Mm, yeah, yeah, I thought she did a great job. Um, Astrid. Astrid. Yes. Well, she no, she's his sister, isn't she? Isn't Astrid yes. his sister? Next uh, sister, yeah, it's his cousin, isn't it? Because they're, they're the two kids at the very beginning. She's she's the kind one. Oh, well, anyway, they're both Eurasian. Oh, well, a lot of people in the show are Eurasian, and that's mm. a whole other conversation. But yeah, no, I think Astrid and Nick are brother sister. Oh, okay. But anyway, yeah. her. But yeah, she she was an interesting storyline because mm-hmm. she was the subplot because everything else was through Rachel's lens, mm-hmm. and then they had Astrid's story alongside of it. It was an interesting yeah. addition to the film. But I thought just some of her acting was just. Her heartbreak and her and her poise, I thought, was really impressive. Mm. I tell you what, though, we talked about how Greek wedding was um, incredibly flat and dull to look at, and I have holy yeah, this film. Should we all go to Singapore? Oh my gosh, let's all go to Singapore. I, we have already booked. I'm leaving on February the seventeenth. I've just done any oh, money to the I, Singapore I'm, travel board. Like, yeah, right well, now. I think but when you, they executive you, you producers, I'm, we're literally oh, yeah, going yeah, on the way to We're literally going to Singapore on uh, December twelfth. Good so. lord! Oh wow! <laughs> so, but honestly, I would have come out and booked it after that, seeing that film for sure. And I did sort of say to my husband, I wonder whether. Seriously, where the Singapore Tourism Board is, is oh, an executive the, 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 producer the, 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 on the... Gotta be. I mean, so many of those shots look like an airline commercial. Yeah. And, and to yeah. let them use, I mean... All the, those, the Sing- those landmarks. Yeah. Right. And the Singapore government <laughs> the, the is not the most garden. lenient or sort of, you know... Jeez, they make the botanical gardens look like some sort of futuristic, yes. like future city. Yes. And then nobody's yeah. there as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just book it out. <laughs> well... Yes, they probably <laughs> would for like the biggest wedding of the century. And they show, they show you like, all yeah. the parts of Singapore, right? They show you the the, the street side, the Merlion, Mer- yeah, and the street Chinatown, food, Chinatown. Oh, the canals, and then you have overhead shots. Yep, or the Newton Circus or whatever the new kind of cool mm. food food stalls. <laughs> of yep, all of it. It's on fabulous. That, on that note, so they they arrive. This is my only kind of key frustration with the film. <clears throat> apart from some of the acting being a bit average, I thought when they arrive to Singapore, they are met with the, the bride and groom-to-be. Yes. And they have this wonderful night out. And, she, and the bride, she seems really down to earth. She's mm. kind of very chatty. She's very sort of carefree. And then she comes back into the movie at the hen's night. Yes. And she's this kind she's of a, she's screaming, an yes. kind of uh, airhead heiress. She, yes. It's like her character completely changes in the film. And I don't know whether that's the actor, just because I don't think her performance was that great mm. either, mm. or whether it's the writing, but that character is all over the show, and then mm. she has all of these bitchy friends, mm. <laughs> and it's like, that's not the character that we were really introduced to, to at the start yeah. of the film. And well, was I, a, I've not scene. read the book, I, I, don't, I don't assume any of us has read the book, but I imagine, I don't know, mm. but what I'm extrapolating from that is that Rachel's sort of, um, not tricked in a mean way, but she arrives and she's like, this is going to be a great holiday, mm. and then things sort of start to become apparent that everybody is completely materialistic and superficial, which brings me to one of my biggest issues with the whole story. And I do get that it's called Crazy Rich Asians, and therefore it wasn't like I'm shocked and affronted. But I did find the consumerism and the materialism and the wealth and all that a little bit gross. That's a whole. Well, let's talk about that because I I felt that as well. And and I think I probably have forgotten about that. But that was a big thing when I was watching the movie. I was like, 
Uh, I don't like being around these people. No. <laughs> I guess Rachel's our eyes into it, isn't she? Yeah, and, and Rachel's not even that likable. Like, I, I didn't like her that, that She's much. She's an economics professor at NYU. Oh, I, I did not she... hear this. The, 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 the fifth time or the sixth time they talked about this? <laughs> but you realise that Tula, in Greek wedding... She's been, quote, learning about computers. <laughs> so I think we've gone up a few steps in terms of, you know, female representation. Oh, I did think that when she's like, there's a whole lot of new things, there's a whole lot of new technology, this is my big figure reading, and I'm yeah. like, what? That's not how computers work. Like, sure you, you can... know I've been learning about computers. <laughs> well, anyway, so... Back to Rachel, though, the economics professor at NYU. And game theory. That's oh, right. Boy, and then it comes back cool. at the end. No, jeez. When I came <laughs> back, I, I just groaned. Oh, I loved it. I loved With it. With the mahjong. But I love games. <laughs> <laughs> you love games. Yeah, I love games. One thing I really liked about Michelle Yeoh is she didn't play, well, she doesn't, but she didn't play it for laughs at all. And you always need, don't you? You mm. need not your pantomime villain, but actually somebody with her gravitas to play somebody quite complex yeah. because she's act, she's not a she's not a 100% dislikable character. Mm-hmm. I just um, love Michelle Yeoh and I agree. I think that she brings with her the weight of her oeuvre yeah. to that role and you believe that she's the leader of this dynasty. Yeah. yeah. Can I say something that might be a little contentious? Please. Go, so in both movies, um, Michelle Yeoh's character and um, what's what's the dad called in my perfect Greek wedding? Gus. Gus. Um, I, I sorry, I don't know the actor's name. I I really like both characters, and I I I think I really empathized with both of them in their respective films. Um, so much so, again, I I already said I found Rachel to be really annoying, uh, but I. I wanted like I wanted to see their side of the story. Yeah, right. um, yeah. It's, even you know, like with Gusson's overacting and stuff, I I got a little choked up when he was talking about you know like I I came to this country with six dollars and I did this all for you and, and now this is what you do. And with Michelle Yeoh and. I, I find so much of what she says to be really logical. Like, oh, yeah. of course she would want to be really picky. Like, this is this is everything that her family has built up. And to throw it away because of, what she say, like, American ideals about love, I love or something? I love when she says, um, yeah. you're American and all you care about is your unhappiness. Yeah. We care about something that lasts much longer. And that I was, was amazing. Like, That's a really compelling critique I mean, it's pretty ironic that how materialistic the whole film is. Yes. But it is a it is a it is a critique of of consumerism. Yeah, it is. But mm. I think that that um, Michelle Yeoh's character is utterly hypocritical, and I really objected to her. Um, she and her church friends doing their Bible reading. <laughs> I love that. You know? I love that. That was the introduction. And it isn't played. Characters. Luckily, it isn't played in a sneery way. It's never raised again that she is hypocritical or that we should be laughing at Christians because I hate that. I think mm. it's a, a. I think it's a um, a cheap uh, trope in in in. in inferior films Mm. but bottom line is she lives like a queen and is quite cold and not that compassionate and Mm. is supposedly a god-fearing person and ultimately is trying to boss her son around and rule his life no matter what so but but it's for the good of the family right that's it's not just her son it's everyone um she's kind of like this this peak of this this weird ass pyramid yeah i did love that the grandmother turned out just to be a total bitch (laughs) yeah that was great for a minute there she was going to be the lovely softie wasn't yeah that was going to make it all right and i really liked that they gave michelle yo that and i love that it was all told through that ring i thought the symbology was it worked really well, and yeah. they built that green emerald or whatever it was. The, the, the grandmother was really cool. So I, I 
watched this movie with my family, and um, my mum immediately recognized her as like a, a really famous famous Chinese, Chinese actor actress, of, the, yeah. of the Beijing. Um, because she doesn't speak oh, English, wow. does she? Uh, I because think she, didn't she speak Chinese through the whole film? I, I think she does speak English because oh. she was American trained as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just... It, Okay, I, I'll, I'll get to more of this as we as our discussion continues. Um, what was really interesting to, was her accent. Like when she spoke Chinese, it was a very traditional Beijing, you know, proper accent. Proper Mandarin. Proper Mandarin, mm. and it just seems so out of place in Singapore. Because uh, are they speaking Hokkien or? Uh, yeah, Hokkien or Cantonese, right? And and of course the the English accents also kind of took me out of it as well. Yes. Like I yeah, I don't know if the ultra rich do speak like that. But my my you know view of Singapore is it's much more of a, a singlish speaking. Absolutely. Country. Well, do you know what's interesting? You know mm-hmm. the two funny aunties in um, in Crazy Asians. Mm-hmm. What's it? Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. Um, the two funny aunties who are all ah yeah, come over here la, and all are talking like that, mm-hmm. and then suddenly boom, they're at the botanical gardens, and they do start to speak like mm. come and see the flower as it blooms, and they are speaking in as you say almost an RP kind mm-hmm. of. English and then in the, uh, a couple of scenes later it's like they're at home and they've taken their f- shoes off and put their feet up and they revert to singlish again mm-hmm. so, and, and then I, and that was only then that I was like oh hang on a second they were talking differently just before yeah. so maybe it is an affectation of mm-hmm. the wealthy whereas Michelle, Michelle Yeoh's character does speak in, well she actually speaks like Michelle doesn't yeah, she yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaks in quite a, a nice sort of rounded but quite British mm-hmm. but of course you know Nick and Astrid mm-hmm. um their dad is English. He never appears in the film, does he? I, yeah, I thought yeah. it was interesting that the, the, the dad never appears. Yeah. yeah, so the dad is English, and that's why they mm-hmm. are very, very Eurasian. Mm-hmm. I thought the introduction scene, the kind of James Bond prologue, was uh, was a weird. Yeah. It was a really weird way to open the movie. And, I, mm. and when I was watching, I didn't think it was weird, because I thought, oh, this would be important. But it kind of wasn't. Well, all it taught me is that he's a little brat. Yeah. Because I absolutely hate bratty children, including <laughs> little bratty Chinese boys. Boys often who are, you know, the molly coddled of the family. So he walks all this mud into this hotel. Again, this is very triggering for me. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't approve of their racism. I thought it was over the top and stupid, to be honest with you. I thought that that was a load of BS. Yeah. But, 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 but we don't serve your, your sort Also, here. that was so, like, something out of 2002. Yeah, I, I exactly. kind of loved it. Was, but I guess, chronological, I guess that would have been, that would have been right, because the kid was, did it say oh. 2002? It oh, said, that was 95, 1995. Oh, it was a Strange way to. Oh, no, no, sorry, I mean 2002 as in from a movie yeah, 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 in 2002. Yeah. Uh, it was just so tried and oh, jeez. But what I mean is because that scene was 1995, mm-hmm. perhaps people would have been more racist and said, oh, well, we, we don't serve your kind here. Perhaps you'd be more comfortable down the road, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But that kid walks in mud all over the place and then becomes, it, it, you know, it transpires yeah. that he's suddenly the oh, heir no. to this fortune and the, the, the son of the owner of the hotel mm-hmm. and he does a sneaky little look as he walks towards this uh, elevator. And it's, I'm it's, like, it's a what really a weird, and it's, it's introducing Michelle Yeoh, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, but then, but then that, that character trait of her buying up stuff 
doesn't really yeah. it's not really relevant it's, it's, it's irrelevant and it must be in the book as a prologue for how they are managed to suddenly rich. own mm. most of Singapore or Singapore Malaysia and a bunch of other places don't they oh they went to Rawa Island so I lived in Singapore in the mid 80s just for a couple of years right my lifestyle was not quite as lavish <laughs> needless to say although we did all speak rather like Nick and Astrid if truth be told um, but we used to go to Rawa Island oh. which is where Nick and his mate are out on that like a pontoon oh right um we used to go there and have a for expat expats living in singapore to be fair a holiday in rawa was a sort of a a more down at heel affair you know it was Mm -hmm. probably more like going to rarotonga or somewhere than hawaii you know that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but i was quite thrilled by by that as a sort of a personal landmark for Mm -hmm. me i just thought i'd throw that in oh lovely because you don't i mean rawa's actually a, a little island off of malaysia um, it looked, up, it reminded of me of Singh, so it's not even Singapore, you know. It looked like Halong Bay in Vietnam, right? You know, those those rock formations, yeah. right? Those, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that's just that. an aside. <laughs> what about the fam- Aquafina's family? The, oh, the yeah. King Leong and uh, yeah, King Jong. Was it King Jong? Yeah. They, I laughed a lot. And the yeah. crazy Singaporean mother. Like, that yes. mother was legit Singaporean, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's right. American. Oh, he was so funny. Oh, I, loved, wasn't he? I just loved yeah. that every scene. It was like a Bez, it reminded me of a Bez Lumen movie. <laughs> yeah. Outrageousness. I actually did enjoy him. And just the shots, the, all the reaction shots. Yeah. And how it was just all constructed through editing. And then the there, creepy brother. Well, then there is the cliche of the creepy brother. You know, the slightly tubby, nerdy, I went with my flatmate and her boyfriend, and she turned to me and she was like, Talking about the sassy friend, she's like, I'm just waiting for the gay friend. And literally, she oh, said, yeah. the gay friend turns up on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> and he spoke all beautifully, too. So there was a lot of, yeah, there were a lot of people speaking a bit posh, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. You so, talked about a few weeks ago, William, about how you found the makeover to be really unsatisfying. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't Why? know what you guys thought. Um, I, I just... I expect makeover montages to, to be more spectacular. That, that's what I want in my movies. What? Um, and I just thought that the, the, the final result of the makeover was just so like... You didn't like that dress, eh? right? Which yeah. dress did you prefer? No, I don't like any of those oh, dresses. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, it has one of the, the best jokes in the movie when someone calls that dress, you look like a slutty Ebola virus. Yeah, yeah. Which is... <laughs> Mwah, a fantastic <laughs> writing. About the pale blue dress. No, no, about the pink oh, one with all the, the oh, bits yes, on it. Yes, that's true. Um, I thought the pale blue one was rather lovely. I, I, I thought it was just like, oh, th- this is what we got. Oh, um, alrighty. What, was... what about that wedding though, with the water coming down? Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> dipping her gold painted feet in through the, again, triggering for me. I was just like. Oh. But oh, wow, Matt, was it that Sarah, over this is giving me flashbacks of our mother review, where, where you're just so freaking out at people sitting on the counter. Yes, A, it's type <laughs> B, that's gonna break, and she asked you oh, not yeah, to right. sit on it. I forgot yeah. the movie existed. Well, it was oh. just that scene, really. That's all that mother mm. is. It's the scene where the people all like flood in and have yeah. an impromptu party, and she says, "Please don't sit on the kitchen oh, counter," and they do. <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about mother. Um, but, but the wedding with the water, um, yeah. which uh, I, I guess I'm gonna segue into something that I really found weird. Just a lot of the movie I found weird. Yeah. Um, but that soundtrack, man. Oh, you didn't like the lady singing um, Wise Men Fall? If- no, no, no. Uh, well, oh. I guess all the Chinese music, which um, oh. it's all music from the... It's post-war or even during... It's wartime slash post-war music. 
um, or really old like fifties ballads, yeah. or Coldplay's Yellow sung, uh, sung and Material Girl. <laughs> yeah, sung Material Girl was really. Chinese. I love Material Girl. Yeah, yeah. Like I liked those songs. Yeah, that was Chinese cool. versions. But but like, what was the point? Uh, I was thinking. So if you had a, um, a, a you know a white version of this movie, mm. and you replace the songs with like. Vera Lynn I, that's that's what those songs are right yeah. they're, they're all about the war and how we're gonna survive mm. um uh, why it, it just it had such a weird vibe and, and it must be intentional because all those songs were of their era yeah but, may, but maybe that's like the I mean what it reminded me of is kind of 1930s Shanghai mm-hmm. and the Peace Hotel and kind of that beautiful art deco mm. kind of era mm-hmm. and I appreciate what you say about the the music actually is a decade or two later but I, th- I I wonder whether it is that uh, harking back to that whole swing kind of mm. well, I guess it's pre-swing what am I talking about but do you know what I mean that lovely era is kind of really um, exotic and lovely and maybe that's really cool right now mm. is that cool right now in Asia like, like right retro? now I don't know I, I guess that it really jumped out during the wedding where they play um, uh, I'm just going <laughs> to sing a snippet and it, I mean that that is not at least from my point of view, uh, that is not a song you play at a wedding, uh, especially not at that wedding. What's the why? What are the lyrics? Um, it, it's all about like the, the the beautiful smell of the flowers, but it's a very sad song. It's a very somber song, right? Um, and with the water flowing, it just did not work for me. You should either write an article about it or mm-hmm. Google and see whether someone has already, because <laughs> there must be music choices made. I mean, this is a blockbuster. Mm. I think it's a really interesting critique because mm. you know I, I enjoyed the music from a. Just, just sonically. But mm-hmm. when I think back on it, when you tell me what you've just told me, I'm like, you're right. What? Why? And it, what? it must be intentional. It can't be, you know, just by happenstance. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know what John Chu wanted with this stuff. Mm. And he's a he's a music guy, right? He's he made his his name making music videos. Maybe it's a recognition that some of these this more strong. Uh, uh, the hardline approach that the family take around who he's allowed to marry mm. is like something out of that era. Mm. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah maybe that's a, a throwback sure. to that. And mm-hmm. they're kind of stuck in 1950s. Ah, that's, I don't know. I'm that's good. To, yeah. I'm just trying to read it to <laughs> it's not bad. Well, well uh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a little bit like you are supposed to marry him and raise a family, mm-hmm. isn't it? it, it and you'll have to give up your. Um, did I mention she's an economics professor? So the youngest, the youngest we've ever had. Can I say that one of the things I did enjoy on my rewatch of my big fat Greek wedding is how the wedding was not sensational, mm. and how even the bride and groom were like, "Oh, I just want to get this over and done with." For a film all about a wedding, mm. it wasn't perfect. In yeah. fact, they didn't even want to go into the reception, mm. and I thought that was a really interesting idea. Mm. By the way. Did you know this film was nominated for a Best Writing Academy Award? Are you serious? Best Writing, either adapted or original. I don't know, but it got nominated. Well, you know, at least she was a woman recipient, so, you know. I suppose, but it's pretty impressive. Wow. <laughs> wow. I think it must be adapted, right? Adapted from another source? Oh, for From her play, Yeah, right? Yeah, it would be. But um, when... Gosh... That that sucks. <laughs> when when her brother comes in and they share that nice moment, and he's going to art school, and then he he just says like the theme of the movie. What's he say? It's like 
like you never stop believing yourself, sister, or something mm. like. People, people don't don't speak like this. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but also the voiceover was really redundant as well. Oh, but I was so glad when the voiceover just kind of dwindled. Yes, it yeah, did. it stopped. Um, it was it's such a nineties thing. Like yeah. this is me. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> but you know, it reminded me of Tina Fey's bossy pants. Oh yeah. Um, and to some extent, I was thinking, oh, you know, Nia um, Vardalos or however I'm mispronouncing her name is is like the poor woman's Tina Fey. <laughs> I hope she's not listening to this because I don't mean that un- as unkindly as it sounds. But well, well, I, you know, she did make my life in ruins. I, I unfortunately. Well, there you go. <laughs> I've seen the second my big favorite. I've movie. seen the second one. It's horrendous. It's, ter- it's terrible. Um, the, 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 the dad Gus's subplot is that he thinks he's really to Alexander the Great. I mean, you know, and that film came out only a couple of years that was ago. What, 2016, 2017, 2016, that was yeah. really recent, so that's ludicrous. But anyway, <laughs> lost my train of thought, so appalled that I am. Uh, Tina Fey. Yeah, so the, the voiceover thing, because I've been reading Bossy Pants, which is, is basically hearing Tina Fey's voice doing very similar sorts of things, and mm-hmm. it works in a book, and sometimes I laugh out loud, but watching the film, it did seem very tired, and as you say, very 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's an establishing shot. Oh, now we meet the family. And then you say something that is not... You know what I quite like is when voiceover is said and then what we're watching contradicts it. Yeah, I like it. I find that quite I still yeah. always find that quite funny. But yeah. that's not what happens here. Or 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 abstract or poetic. Right. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I think about the voiceover and apocalypse now. It does function as plot development, but ultimately mm-hmm. it's kind of going into this weird, crazy psychological journey that this film's going on. It works really well. But I don't need show and tell. Because you know yeah. how they say you're yeah. supposed to show not tell. Yep. Well, at least if you're gonna tell show me something that's the opposite and we'll have a little bit of a lull about it but don't just tell me and then show it and yeah. they really um spoil a lot of the movie's jokes that way i, I find mm. um what could have been really really funny and I, I still laughed like i laughed out loud but it could have been a gut buster was when um <laughs> you're the, so optimistic the, the 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 scene where they they invite ian's parents uh to dinner oh. and um and all that you see with um, and his mother, oh, sorry, Tula's mother on the phone is that she's chopping a whole bunch of potatoes. Yeah, right. And that's and all, all the vegetables. That's yeah. all you need to see. That's all you need to see. She doesn't need to know. She's on the other side of the phone. She can't see the potatoes. Yeah. And then, of course, she, we get the reaction shot when they actually pull up. But no, they have to explain it in, like, what felt like a whole minute. In the phone Wait, conversation. In the phone conversation. Wait, the whole family's coming? Mm. I thought we were only going to have a private little dinner. And it's like, no, you're killing the joke. Yeah. This would have been really, really... Well, I, I thought it would have been oh, really, well, really I funny. Know, yeah, but it would have been less unfunny. Yeah. So... I, I, I thought... That. <laughs> That's how terrible uh, I'm feeling. But the, the reaction shot, I still thought... she. <laughs> She had a, a great like <gasps> face, but it's just the, the joke is not set up well, and and I mean this happens throughout the movie. It's yes. like just squandered possibilities. Squandered. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, sorry. That, that being said, I I also didn't find Crazy Rich Asians that funny. I laughed um, quite. I did laugh quite a bit, and there was a girl behind me who was mm-hmm. loving a life. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's she, sweet. Goes, she, goes, she is just having the greatest time back there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was every any reference to the kind of family dynamics and the family expectations. She mm. just thought was hilarious. Wow. Yeah. You see, I felt 
And I'm look, it can't be helped because if it is how the family situation is, then that's how it is. But I felt like I've seen this movie a million times. Yeah. I, I've seen all of those movies a million times. And and I don't even really like rom-coms. So goodness knows where I'm seeing them. But, <laughs> you know, the whole kind of, oh, no, that's not the way we do it in our culture. Therefore, we're going to oppose your union. And it's just really tiresome. Yeah. yeah. So really, the only thing I got out of Crazy Rich Asians, definitely for me, on a very personal level, was it's being said in Singapore mm-hmm. and getting to see them hurtling down the, the PIE, the <laughs> Pan something or other expressway and, you know, those small things. Mm. And the odd sort of uh, character, certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of, is it Ken Jeong? Yeah. I'm not a massive fan of him from the Hangover movies and that, but I enjoyed him in this. Yeah, and he was really good. Really fun. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so, you know, I could appreciate it. And certainly sometimes I was like, oh, I like that dress or I like that outfit or mm-hmm. whatever. Or look how skinny her legs are or whatever it might <laughs> be that women maybe do when they're watching films but other than that eh, plot wise couldn't care less no. literally didn't care wasn't invested agreed agreed mm. I, I i thought it was all right um it's funny like uh, in the states like so many asian people are are really connecting with this movie and i, I don't know as an asian guy like whether i'm just from a different kind of headspace because um, mm. my family's pretty traditional and we are pretty much in touch with our roots but i, I just i couldn't relate to the rachel character mm. I, I just could not and i you know i, I grew up in the west i mm. i'm my life is pretty western now and you're american university educated exactly as well, so. exactly and did I, you I study know... economics uh, oh my gosh <laughs> i wish i did <laughs> theory nyu <laughs> i wish you had too <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I, right. I, just, so I don't didn't... feel it. Um, mm. And, I, again, some people have said this is the quint. you know, it's it's so good that this movie portrays the quintessential Asian-American experience, how you, you don't feel like you're you're in the East or the West. And, and I, I don't know, maybe it's just a personal thing. That, that wasn't, well, wasn't but, And maybe it does touch upon that little bit, that mm-hmm. whole kind of straddling of cultures. And But she, I mean, she's very on the nose, isn't she, the way she says, well, I was raised learning Mandarin yeah. and I still remember this and that and I do blah 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 but I was raised here but I hear you that that I mean look they're they're the richest people you've ever seen in any movie (laughs) ever and that's got to be if not alienating that's not Mm. a resonant thing I would have thought for the vast majority of the Asian and non-Asian audiences Mm. you know so I think it's a little bit funny I mean (laughs) you know to be saying like hurrah at last there's a movie that shows me my world no it doesn't any more than Black Panther does to be fair (laughs) you know what I mean? It's, yeah. you know, it's it's important in a, a representation way, but it is not the best and final representation. I mean, they made dumplings as a family, and that's all that matters. And I've seen that before, <laughs> but no, that was nice. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud or through Apple Podcasts. Or subscribe to us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, and watch us on YouTube. These are also great places to let us know what you think of this episode, or give us suggestions for future films to discuss or compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, and until then, ka kite anō.